thank you very much for your attendance this morning for the, uh, the, the International Capital Markets Panel. Uh, I'm Apostolos Kuchinis. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer in the field of, uh, of capital markets with, uh, with Milbank, and it's, it's a great pleasure to be here today. I think it's my sixth or seventh uh, participation in this panel. Um, uh, and uh, I'll I just go and do a very quick introduction to our panelists and then you know, get down to business uh, immediately after that. We have a lot to cover. Uh, so uh, from uh, uh, right to, to left, uh, Ms. Miriam Zapata, who is uh, a managing director at uh, BNP Paribas with uh, a lot of experience in, in international debt capital markets and a focus on ESG. Uh, Mr. Paul Simkin, a managing director at Citigroup, uh, probably one of the most experienced uh, uh, participants in the, in the European bond market. Uh, Dimitris Kofitsas uh, from Goldman Sachs, who, who runs uh, the, the Greek desk uh, at Goldman and many other things. Uh, Alexandra Konida, uh, who is uh, the head of uh, the Greek corporate finance practice for HSBC, uh, and also a very experienced uh, banker in her own right. Uh, Mr. Dimitris Chakonas, the Managing Director of the Public Debt Management Agency, and, and last but not, um, last, last but not uh, least, uh, uh, my friend uh, Kostadinos Alexandridis, who is the CEO of, of the PPC Group. Uh, well, the, the, our panel will be about the present state of international financial markets and, and what it means for, for Greek companies and what it means for, uh, for investment in Greece. Uh, 30 seconds only, a, a, a brief summary from me. I, I, was, uh, I was just checking this morning that it's our sixth or seventh week in Europe without a new issuance of, of corporate debt, at least at the sub-investment grade rating. Yields uh, from the beginning of the year have been drifting a little wider. Uh, benchmark interest rates have been rising. I think we are expecting uh, monetary policy conditions to tighten a bit more. Generally, primary issuance is completely subdued, as I said, high-yield bonds, no primary issuance uh, in, in a couple of months now. There is a little bit of movement in, in primary issuance for investment grade um, and, and also for leverage loans, but not much, like not many new deals, but, but you know, some signs of life the last, uh, the last two or three weeks. I think in the secondary markets, uh, again, uh, we are after a, a an almost complete uh, standstill. We are, we are seeing uh, inflows into the main debt funds, which for those of you in the business always spells uh, some positive news later on when there is uh, incoming uh, uh, capital flow in, in the sector. Um, and, um, and obviously the, uh, the, the tragic events uh, in the uh, European periphery with Ukraine uh, and, and, and what it means for energy prices and then for indirect effects on, on, on global markets. So against, against this, background, this backdrop, Dimitri Chakona, our republic uh, has ambitious targets for investment grade rating, for, for debt sustainability, obviously, for, for navigating this uh, this market. So I, I think I want to start from you, and I want to ask you uh, where we are, uh, what are, what are you guys doing uh, to to further the 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 interests of the Republic in international capital markets, and what to expect this year. Thank you very much. This is my third time, if I remember correctly, in this uh, panel. Great honor for me. 
Uh, yeah, you are talking about the most conservative guy in Greece, <laughs> the most pessimistic one. Uh, given the circumstances, given what we have seen so far since, I don't remember, let's say, since the year uh, 2010, if not 2008, uh, we have delivered. We have delivered, and although I'm extremely pessimistic, I think that I can base my optimism to what we have done so far, what we have delivered. And let me go back, let's say, a couple of years ago. Uh, what we are trying to do, the implementation of the funding strategy, portfolio management strategy for 2022, is based on a plan that has been designed since 2012, immediately after the debt buyback that took place at that point of time. So even under extremely extraordinary, we can call them force measure conditions or situations, we have delivered. We took the opportunity even due to the pandemic or of the pandemic in order to rebuild sooner rather than later our yield curve. I need to remind all of you that we issued the first 32-year bond a year ago. And if you ask me, I'm going to respond by saying we deserve being back to investment grade at least at that point of time, a year ago, since we were able uh, to issue a 32-year bond, and this was positively, extremely positively accepted by the capital markets and investors community. On the other side, I need to stress that we are not a competent authority to provide us the rating the triple B minus. There are other competent authorities, rating agencies, etc. Indeed. We have delivered, we have rebuilt the yield curve, we have provided sufficient liquidity, and although we played, let's say, with the so-called scarcity value as far as the GGBC is concerned, we saw almost six months ago, GGBC being inside Italy, i.e. the spreads versus BTPs being 15 basis points lower, although due to the volatility that we have we have faced recently due to the energy crisis, the Ukrainian war, etc. We have seen also a widening, reaching even 90 basis points versus uh, BTPs. But in any case, I think that this is temporary. There is great value, a lot of value in GGBs. My favorite issue, as always, is the cash reserves of the Hellenic Republic. And this is a concrete element of what we call prudent policy. 38.5 billion as we speak right now. Sufficient amount to cover our gross financing needs for the next three years. On top, the characteristics of our debt, 21 weighted average maturity. In fixed rate, 101%. Although this looks like a little bit peculiar, I can elaborate since although we have repaid a big chunk of GLF, the Greek Loan Facility Agreement, these bilateral loans with a nominal coupon, three-month Euribor floating rate coupon. We haven't cancelled out the swaps that were done back in 2018, 19, and 20 in order to hedge the restricted exposure. Just to give you a flavor of what is coming and why I, am, uh, I have this optimism that I mentioned before. We have 53 billion of these swaps in order to hedge the interest rate exposure due to the GLF. We did three years ago, four years ago, 53 billion of swaps. 
at the levels, at that point of time, the levels of uh, the fixed rate that we locked was 91 basis points. Now, the 10-year swap rate is 1.5% almost. Please do your calculations in order to see how much is the positive mark to market of the, Hellen of the, of the Greek debt, sorry, of the portfolio uh, of derivatives of the Hellenic Republic. We are not going to cancel out, we are not gamblers, but this is a concrete element that preserves our consistency, credibility to investors' community. Last but not least, indeed, we want to proceed by having this, or what we call, continuous access to the capital markets, keeping this continuous dialogue with investors' community. But on the other side, given the circumstances, and given, uh, let's say, the luxurious position that we have, there is no rush. We have plenty of time to wait. We are not desperate. We want to continue issuing, but on the other side, what is key for us, and the key factor is, volatility. We don't want to have access to the capital markets at such a volatile environment because we need to preserve those investors that are long. We need to preserve not only the taxpayers' money and interests, both Europeans and uh, Greeks, but also investors' interests. Last but not least, this is my last point, liquidity. Liquidity to the secondary market. We, the, we have realized that there are a lot of distortions across the yield curve, the GDP curve. We are going to proceed by providing additional liquidity to specific maturity points in order to provide a way out to those investors that are trapped by accident due to their short positions and due to the fact that there is lack of supply and lack of liquidity. On the other side, our policy will be prudent, as always, because we need also, as I mentioned before, we need to preserve the interest of those investors that are long. So, in any case, we will continue, but we are not in a rush. We are not desperate. Thank you. Thank you, Dimitri. Uh, I may come back to you with, uh, with another question later. Uh, but now, uh, Paul, going, uh, moving away from the sovereigns to uh, to, the, to the private sector, I mean, obviously, last couple of years, uh, record issuance uh, in, in the international capital markets. And I know that you, you've been in these markets for many years, and you have seen many cycles of, of, a, lot of, of a lot of transactions, uh, record volumes, and then complete standstill because of uh, geopolitical events or for other reasons. And, and, and you have been through many cycles in your, in your career in, in the international markets. Uh, where, what is the state of, of this market today, and, and what does it mean for Greek corporates uh, looking to uh, replenish uh, their issuance levels, or uh, foreign investors or financial sponsors looking to do deals in Greece and they want to finance these deals? If you can give us like a, your, uh, your valuable view on these points. Thank you, uh, Apostoli, and, and thank you all. It's, uh, it's lovely to be, uh, to be able to present um, after a, a break for, uh, for COVID in this conference. Uh, so I, I think you would, um, we would characterize the corporate bond market as being resilient. And that may be surprising uh, if you had uh, said that we're going to have rapidly rising inflation, mid to high single digit, uh, much higher interest rates, although still low historically, uh, and 
an energy price shock, geopolitical shock, and of course a humanitarian tragedy, many would say that markets would have been closed. Um, but there are two reasons why our markets have been resilient. Uh, the first is that real interest rates uh, remain negative. Um, our city's economist uh, started to project one interest rate rise in the US last year, uh, and then three, and five, and six, and now seven. Uh, and firstly, 25 and now 50. So we are projecting four lots of 50 basis points this year and three lots of 25. Um, despite that, we'll still have negative real interest rates of about 3%, and that is supporting the markets. Uh, the second thing is we should remember we've had massive government support, not only fiscal programs, but with the balance sheet. The US Fed's balance sheet is nearly 10 billion $10 trillion, and the ECB continues to buy much through its quantitative easing programs. So those two things, negative real interest rates and government bond support, are supporting markets. Uh, U.S. investment-grade issuance has been healthy, and we had the third highest volume of investment-grade issuance in Europe ever a couple of weeks ago. Um, that gives every Greek company the opportunity to issue. Um, the non-investment grade part has been slower, but that will return after Easter, I am sure. Um, Greek, Greek corporates have managed in, in an incredibly sophisticated manner. What has tended to happen over the years is that when the international market pricing is tight, Greek companies issue internationally. When international pricing widens from where the local financing is available, Greek companies tend to finance in local markets, the bank, bank market, of course, but also more recently the Greek bond market, which has given very competitive levels of funding. So the market's always available to Greek corporates. Uh, it's just that the, co the companies in their sophistication tend to go to the international markets at the international market best levels and to local markets when markets are less, when the difference between the markets is higher. So I think that there's, there's plenty of access for Greek companies, um, but that we won't see too much until the difference between the international pricing and the local pricing narrows again. Uh, Paul, uh, sorry to put you on the spot. In terms of the, with a follow-on question, the, the achievement by the Republic of investment grade rating, how will that trickle down beneficially on sort of pricing levels and yield levels for, for, for Greek issuers? Is it automatic or is it you know, is subject to further conditions before the, the full benefits are, are, are being sort of available? It, 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 help, it will help the companies that would have been investment grade but had had their rating suppressed by the sovereign. Uh, but for many years over the last, te of the last 10, Greek corporates have accessed the market at tighter levels than the sovereign. And so while it's beneficial, uh, for many companies it's not transformational just because of the ability of the Greek corporates to access at such a tight level. That's good. Thank you, Paul. Well, Miriam, I think uh, uh, you're next. Uh, we're very excited to have you. Uh, we, we, we know it's your first, um, it's your first participation on, uh, on, on this conference and, and on, on this panel. Um, you, you, know, you, know, you know international debt markets and, and you're also an ESG expert. Uh, obviously, ESG is a big 
is a big issue these days. Um, I, I think I, I struggle to, to find a, to a conference to go that, that this doesn't, doesn't include an ESG agenda, so it's, it's like everywhere. Um, and obviously you only have, I don't know, five or six minutes to cover it, so I, I'm sure it, it's difficult to do justice, but we're all very excited to have you try and, and give us your, uh, your views on, on the key ESG topics these days and trends in international financial markets, and then if you can, wh what it means also for, for Greece, which of course uh, has a, a very specific and time-limited ESG agenda for, for the next few years. Thank you. Thank you very much, Apostolos, and thank you um, for having me on this uh, very first time for, for me here. Um, it is, as you say, very difficult to cram it, uh, all that ESG represents in uh, less than five minutes. Um, but I would probably focus in two things that have happened of late. A lot of obviously has happened since the first time that ESG was brought to the fore by debt capital markets in around 2008-2009 with the issuance of the first green bonds. Um, and so in the last few years, the last maybe couple of years, um, I think that two of the main things that have happened are uh, or for me that are important are obviously um, the acceleration of the uh, commitments to Paris Agreement. Paris Agreement was 2015, and yet in the last couple of years is when everybody has caught on um, to make uh, public commitments um, to what it means for you know, each country, each company um, across the world. So we have seen what it's called now the net zero uh, emissions uh, targets um, by you know every everybody in the market, um, and so that's the the first thing that I would focus on that has happened of late that acceleration in the last couple of years, and the second thing in you know what it come when it comes to debt capital markets that has crystallized in one more um, instrument or tool. Um, that is called sustainability-linked bonds. Um, and so it's slightly different to the green bonds that are use of proceeds bonds where the um, proceeds uh, that are raised in debt capital markets are, um, are focused on financing specific projects or expenditures that are green or environmentally friendly. Um, whereas the sustainability-linked bond doesn't doesn't, um, it's not a use of proceeds bond. There is nothing happening with the, you know, with the proceeds of that bond that it's um, going to those projects. But it's an opportunity um, to um, communicate for the issuer of this instrument on their commitments um, to sustainability in general. And of late, I would say, to Paris Agreement. So we have seen a lot of these instruments that are linked to how the company will do in terms of their commitments to a net zero emissions or something similar. Um, and I think that these two, um, these two, uh, I, I would even call it events, um, what they have done is they have opened up a lot of pocket, a lot of pockets um, of investment, um, because on you know on the green bond market we still have a um, you know imbalanced uh, supply and demand that makes uh, green bonds very precious, um, and that pricing you know they go to market everybody buys them nobody sells them there is no 
no offer side uh, after they've, issu they've been issued. Um, and uh, investors don't feel that they can continue committing or you know, increasing their commitments to sustainability because they don't know whether they will actually find the instruments in the market to go and, and, and invest. Um, so by delinking the use of proceeds of the, you know, of the bonds uh, with a sustainability link bond um, opportunity, uh, anybody can issue uh, a sustainable instrument. Anybody can communicate about what sustainability means for them. And um, this is obviously a great opportunity for, for uh, Greece and Greek issuers. Um, when, uh, when you come to the green bond market, um, you know, more than 10 years you know, after the first green bond, it's always difficult to make your mark. And yet we, you know, we see that uh, innovation um, still happens, and so sustainability link bonds have been a product that, um, you know, uh, we have been uh, very much involved um, uh, in 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 the last couple of years, uh, and that we think that it will continue uh, being a great opportunity for you know for Greece and the Greek uh, issuers. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll come back later with a with a, a little perhaps a, a little provocative question, but I'll leave, it, I'll leave it for later in terms of what's going on in the, in the energy markets globally. But uh, uh, I think uh, uh, on to uh, two very good friends of mine, uh, Alexandra and, and Dimitris, they, they're both uh, in, you know, international bankers in Greece. Uh, Alexandra runs uh, the, the local HSBC uh, franchise and Dimitris uh, the Goldman Sachs desk. Uh, they have all been instrumental the last, the last few years in lots of deals especially in the capital markets uh, uh, area, both debt and equity, and, and they have a, a 360 kind of perimetric view of the Greek market. So I, I think, uh, Alexander, obviously, you know, you, you go first. Um, just tell us, you know, from, from your perspective, what, what worries your clients in the market? Uh, what do you see as opportunities? Uh, just uh, just share, share with us your, your periscopic view. Of, of what we're dealing with. Th thank you, Apostolos, and uh, I'm really delighted to, to be again in this uh, conference and uh, uh, address you today. Uh, look, uh, the, the international debt capital markets are an important uh, pool of liquidity for the, for the Greek uh, corporates. Uh, they, it's a way of diversifying their funding resources and not uh, having to rely solely on the uh, Greek uh, banks and the Greek uh, retail uh, domestic uh, bond market. Uh, it's an important uh, market that they need to keep uh, access to, uh, to, to keep a close dialogue with investors. Uh, we are seeing an increasing number of Greek corporates that have reached uh, over the last years the scale, the track record, the credentials, and they have sizable growth plans and transformational plans uh, and have evolved into attractive investment opportunities for high-yield investors. 2021, the, the transactions that uh, were done out of Greece during the year have been approved to this. Uh, we have, there, there were uh, issues out of Greece, both in terms of numbers of deals done and uh, in terms of uh, amounts raised uh, that have been uh, a record year. This is in line, of course, with the overall uh, momentum in the European market. Uh, 2021 was indeed a record year in the corporate high-yield market. With, uh, uh, close to 125 billion of issuance in, in Europe, 
uh, out of which Greek issues represent about 2% or, or around 2.5 billion. Uh, to, to Miriam's point, uh, Greek issuers have also embraced the ESG concept. Uh, with, they have followed the trend and they have issued a green and sustainability linked bonds. Uh, we have in the panel uh, the CFO of Public Power Corporation. Actually, this was the, the company that issued the first ever sustainability linked bond in the European high yield bond market, and it's, it's a Greek company. So uh, we are proud to have been, we have worked in this deal together. Uh, this is because, on the one hand, corporates acknowledge the fact that uh, there are multiple benefits for uh, uh, introducing ESG uh, criteria in their strategic planning. And on the other hand, investors also apply ESG uh, more and more in their investment decisions as they see a clear link between ESG and the ability of the company to yield the sustainable returns. Now, 2021 was a great year. 2022 uh, has uh, started off with, with issues that uh, Paul and you described, you know, the, 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 rating the, sorry, the interest rates environment, uh, the Ukrainian crisis, we have seen the, the, the market at a standstill for, for, for almost two months. Uh, yields have widened, but we feel that there are signs of, uh, of uh, hope. Uh, there is some improvement in the secondary trading. Uh, as at HSBC, we see that there could be primary returning post-Easter. Uh, there are a number of deals that are rumored to be, to be currently being pre-marketed to investors, so we could see some uh, activity coming back. Uh, issuers still, you know, are waiting on the sidelines. They look to, uh, to wait out the current volatility, but uh, they're being prepared. Uh, this is what we think that the Greek corporate should be doing as well, is to be ready. Uh, to access the markets when the, the right window of the opportunity appears. Uh, I think this will present. Uh, history has proven that markets do reopen. It's a, it's a matter of time and uh, price point. Especially for, for, uh, for Greek issuers, uh, we see opportunities presenting for those that have upcoming maturities in the next one to three years and will be encouraged to refinance sooner than, rather than later in, in light of the uh, raising interest rate environment. Issuers that have growth capital needs and the B issuers with solid credit fundamentals that uh, can uh, be attracted to investors. Uh, I would also like to, as a last point, highlight that despite the current increasing interest rate uh, environment, rates are still attractive if compared to historical lev levels. So, Issuers should be encouraged, as I said, to be ready to access the markets when, when the time comes. Thank you, Alexandra. Dimitri, more or less the same question, <coughs> quite open-ended. Uh, just uh, uh, tell us all about your views. Apostole, <laughs> thank you. So, thank you very much, first of all, to be on this panel again. Um, I, I would focus this year on the equity market. A little louder. Um, I think my colleagues covered the debt market quite well, on the means of the sovereign, Alexander, Paul, and Miriam. I'll focus more on the equity market this year. And I would like to mention three things that for us are very fundamental, you know, at Goldman and also, I think, to investors, I would speak to them, like, on, on a daily basis. Number one, um, 2021, if you see um, the Greek equity market, they were raised around $4 billion by just three companies, so uh, Piros Bank, Alpha Bank, and, and PPC. 
um, for, you know, for basically uh, want to transform the business and also basically to um, grow the business even further. So if you compare this four billion versus what was raised the past five to six years, you will be amazed. The number was almost zero. So uh, we had zero equity activity at the primary issuance or secondary placements for the past five years. Um, that's point number one. Then, if you look at basically the statistics, so how many investors participated in, in the book on these three basic uh, capital trades, you'll see a very big shift from high hedge funds and fast money accounts to institutional and long-only investors. That, that, that's a big shift for the sentiment in the country. Um, and why is it important? This is important because, first of all, you know, companies in Greece can fund the growth through equity, not only debt. That's a big change that we've seen basically the last few years. Number two, private equity firms, and I see Alex Fotakidis, is important for private equity investors who buy assets in Greece to have a developed equity market for potential diffusion basically to design their exit after five, seven, or ten, or ten years. Um, so I think the key message is that the Greek equity market f is finally open to the international investor community. And uh, we should expect to see more companies with proper business plans, management teams with credibility and track record to access this market because now it's open. I would say around 670 investors uh, invest for the first time in, in the country and uh, you know they, they made good returns, and, and uh, you know I'm assuming this will will basically want to invest in new credible uh, equity stores. Uh, my second point, I think, which I think fundamental as well for the country is is the Greek banks, right? So if you see the three key metrics actually we, we monitor, number one, which basically the three C, the three Cs as, as we, call, we call them, number one, credit quality, number two, capital buffers, and number three, capital gen capital generation. The improvement by the Greek banks has been uh, transformational. So credit quality, NPLs, and like the minister mentioned this a number of times before, Mr. Saikouras, 45% was the number around 18 months ago. Today, we're below 10%. This is the fastest, I would say, de-risking exercise globally we've seen based in the last 20 years. Now, number two, capital buffers. The Greek banks are close to European average, close to 30% C to one ratio. Number three, capital generation. If you look at basically the ROTE returns that the Greek banks and actually the brokers from forecasting for the, Greek, you know, for, for, for the Greek banks are close to European average, eight to 10% ROTE. And finally, we see actually um, a dividend payment by all the four banks in the, in the coming years. My third point, which to us is also important for the equity in the capital market is the strategic activity that we see both on Europe and also on the, on, on the Greek, basically, on the Greek boardroom. So, you know, last year as well was a very big year for M&A. We had uh, around seven to eight billion of announced M&A transactions in Greece. We had Macquarie with, with, uh, with Hedno. We had CVC with NBG Insurance. We had Cipita with Montales. We had BC Partners with Hellas. We had Italgas with Depa. We had Viva Wallet. So this basically, we haven't seen this activity in the country for a number of years. And this inevitably will lead to more equity additions. So today as we speak, obviously the equity markets globally are, are a bit you know, uh, muted because of the war and the inflation, but the m and activity, and also in Greece, it remains robust. So I would expect the next few months, when volatility basically um, goes down, we'll see basically more announced m and deals in Greece, and we'll see, uh, you know, obviously the Greek banks will finance a number of them, 
to Paul's point about basically uh, very low cost of financing by the Greek bank, but also we see a number of basically these, these transactions be financed by the national capital markets. Thank you, Dimitri. Some very good points there. Thank you. Uh, well, last but not least, Kostadine, you are uh, the CFO of, uh, of PPC. What, what a year you had. Uh, you established a very active uh, corporate bond program. You, you access the international capital markets several times on that program. And then, uh, you know, to top it up, you, you also did a, a very significant share capital increase. So you, you, you basically swam both in the, in the equity and in the debt pools. Uh, and um, I, I think you're probably unique in that, in, in that, in that position as, as a Greek CFO. So I think my first question is, I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you see the international capital markets as a, as a, as a main uh, strategic tool for your, for your business plan and for your operations? And how do you position the company to take advantage of, of these opportunities in the future, like in terms of your financial policy and, and all the things that you're doing and how, how everything ties together to your business plan uh, strategically? Uh, thank you, Apostolos. Uh, first of all, thank you also for having me here. Uh, indeed, starting from uh, Q4 uh, 2019, when we set up the new uh, business plan of PPC, the transformation plan of PPC, uh, we have been working on all the pillars, uh, the strategic pillars. And uh, in 2021, we built on that uh, performance, on the track record that we have shown, uh, and yes, we did the two sustainability-linked bonds, and we also did the uh, share capital increase. Uh, so the international capital markets for PPC is uh, very uh, important. Uh, it's very important to, to secure uh, diversified uh, uh, funding uh, sources in order to uh, continue our, uh, uh, and expand our uh, investment plan, which is a significant one. We have set out a nine billion uh, investment plan. So uh, yes, uh, this is, this is a, a point where we are building on. Um, it is important, VPC, uh, to be seen as a credible and uh, trans transparent um, counterparty so that uh, we build this relation, this strong relation with uh, the international banks and all uh, other counterparties. Uh, and especially, we are listening to our investor base uh, because we consider them to be uh, the key stakeholders uh, for us. Um, the, the credibility uh, of uh, PPC uh, in the market will allow us uh, to, to building on these relations uh, to also improve the terms uh, in our uh, financial agreements, but also in commercial agreements that we are doing with uh, international banks and other counterparties. Uh, so actually, our activity in 2021 was not just a, a one-off. Uh, uh, it, was, it was a strategic, uh, of, of strategic importance for PPC to re-enter the markets, uh, to, to get this uh, uh, credibility, and uh, we will be repeat issuers looking in the future uh, while we are expanding and we are uh, 
executing our uh, investment plan. Um, of course, this, uh, along with us maintaining this credibility, will allow us uh, to uh, achieve better terms for funding uh, the company and the plans that we have. Uh, of, of course, also having in mind market allows us to do so. Thank you, Constantine. I think we have, we have time uh, for the six of you, maybe one, one additional question, a couple of minutes. Uh, if, you, if you don't mind, and uh, um, uh, I'll, I'll start with you, uh, Dimitri, again. Uh, uh, again, perhaps a little provocative here. Uh, are you, are you from, a, from your standpoint, are you worried about um, uh, sort of budget decisions uh, that are coming up, perhaps to ease the pain from energy prices? perhaps in view of uh, an election uh, next, next year. You know, we, we, we always see uh, governments go a little easier on, on, on budget policies in election years. Is there anything there that sort of worries you uh, from, from your perspective and, and the credibility that you have built uh, with, the, with the international markets and with the rating agencies? Nope. <laughs> But let me the ministers are not in the, in the, you can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me elaborate. Let me. <laughs> I would prefer my minister being uh, in this uh, forum, let's say, present, sorry. So, no is the answer. Um, if you ask me if there is... Why not? Say, um, yeah. If there is uh, political risk in Greece, definitely not. Why? Because we have a, a, a government that delivers, market-oriented, uh, market-friendly, they have delivered so far. Thanks for, uh, uh, thanks, uh, and uh, yeah, we need to th be thankful because they have delivered. On the other side, we have an opposition that they used to deliver in the past. I need to remind all of you that they implemented the hardest uh, fiscal adjustment program, the third one. Uh, they achieved uh, uh, 7%, uh, 7 billion, sorry, of primary surpluses at that point of time. After three consecutive uh, fiscal adjustment programs, uh, uh, Greece is a machine that produces primary surpluses, fortunately or unfortunately. Uh, we have done a lot of, uh, let's say, we have implemented a lot of structural reforms. Uh, as far as for the political risk, uh, uh, the, the extremes uh, of the political spectrum are behind, uh, are in the jail in prison, so there is no political risk. Yes, perhaps there will be a political uncertainty due to the electorate system of one or two months, but in any case, uh, due to the cash reserves that seals the country from uh, whatever may come as far as volatility, risks, etc., etc., I doubt. On the other side, as I mentioned before, we have delivered. Regarding the plan or, let's say, the additional fiscal expansion. Although uh, there will be ratified by the Greek, by the Greek parliament the, let's say, uh, adjusted state budget uh, with a provision that for additional spending, something between one and a half and two billion, according to our assumptions, because as I mentioned before, we are extremely conservative, uh, we have incorporated the possibility this expansion to take place with 3 billion. Still, we are in a position both 
to, uh, to fund ourselves, uh, even if we need, let's say, to expand the funding activity from 12 billion. I need to remind you that we have already raised 3 billion through a Greek 10-year uh, bond issuance uh, recently, I, in the end of uh, January. Perhaps we need to revise, perhaps we don't. In any case, uh, as I mentioned before, we are pretty flexible in all aspects in terms of uh, maturities, in terms of timing, in terms of issued amounts. And last but not least, uh, you know, after the end of the post-program surveillance period, we have the so-called early warning system. Uh, every six months, until the time that the official sector debt will be back to 75% of uh, uh, the original, let's say, outstanding amount, we will be together with the European institutions, and we, will be, we need to be back to, to be uh, in line with what we have agreed. And I need to remind you also that the target is achievable. Let me go back 10, 12 years 20 ago. 20 seconds, though. 20 yeah, seconds. Yeah. We agreed with institutions two things. They should undertake the problem to resolve the problem as far as debt is concerned, and they did it. And we need to undertake the problem debt not to create debt, to find a solution. That means that we need to have to deliver, to have every year primary surpluses equal, if not more, than the annual interest payments. I can reassure you that uh, for the next 20 years, perhaps not 20, 15 years, the uh, annual interest payments will not, will not exceed the 5 billion, which is a target that it is achievable. So for all these reasons, I'm pretty confident that we, the, there, is, there will be no problem as far as the volatility or whatever the uncertainty is concerned for the upcoming two years and after the elections. Thank you very much. Uh, Paul, um, the, the majority or the overwhelming majority of, of Greek issuers in the international markets are what I would call like local champions, sort of local blue chip companies, companies with substantial operations, significant balance sheets, market leaders, you know, all, you know listed on the Athens Stock Exchange, like all the big names. Do you think that there are companies which are in Greece which are a little smaller, smaller than them, they haven't issued yet, uh, but uh, in, and, and in which sectors that may be potentially good candidates for the international market? Is there like a uh, a minimal size that needs to be accomplished or a particular sector that would be attractive? How do you see the ecosystem below the 10, 12, 15 uh, champions? I, I think that will be a little more difficult uh, because the international market wants companies of size. Um, I, I think, though, it's, it's possible, um, returning to the theme of of very strong financial management for Greek companies, uh, what we saw Mr. Alex Alexandridis do uh, at PPC and, and other chief financial officers <clears throat> is to blend the local demand with the international demand to get better execution. And I think that will enable many Greek companies to access the market. Uh, and I'm often asked, why do international investors buy a bond at a lower yield where, where it's a Greek company? And it's because the local investors provide so much value. They provide additional demand at a lower yield. They're also excellent holders, so they don't sell when markets get choppy, as international investors do. So they're, 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 they're long-term strong holders, so the bonds are less volatile. And fourthly, by, by blending the local and international demand into an international deal, companies come to the market more often, they have a bigger footprint, uh, they're therefore more relevant, and they have a better track record, and that lowers the cost of funding. 
to by blending together the Greek demand locally and the international demand, Greek companies are able to get excellent and often better execution than a German, a French or a UK company may do. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Miriam, um, do, you, do you expect the momentum on, on, on ESG uh, uh, focus of the international markets to, to continue unabated, or do you feel that recent, recent events are going to uh, reposition the focus of the international community on, uh, to put it bluntly, energy sufficiency, energy autarky, uh, energy autonomy away from from ESG, uh, or you know, even more simply, is ESG a luxury product that, in sort of in the new environment, is is gonna is gonna stay in the in the wardrobe a little bit? Um, well, I I don't think, and I don't. I mean, I hope it doesn't take us back. I hope. I mean, the revolution has started, so now it's about. Uh, redirecting the investments to the right um, energy sources. Uh, a few years ago, wind and solar were more expensive than fossil fuels. Now uh, we've won that battle, um, and I think that um, what needs to happen now is to remember that the solution to the energy crisis cannot be on um, subsidizing fossil fuels. We would just be going back and um, that the commitment to transition to a cleaner energy uh, requires the redirection of all those investments to these um, clean energies. There's a lot uh, that can be done and replicated in the same way that happened for wind and solar for, um, for, an, you know, for other sources, uh, green hydrogen. Um, there's a lot um, you know, happening in, in the uh, aerospace with biofuels. Um, so there's, there's a lot of investment that needs to be um, redirected, and I know that the temptation is to um, go back um, because the need is now um, you know, for uh, reliable sources of energy. Um, but we, you know, I, I think there is a great opportunity to yeah, bring those investments because the, 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 the cash is there, it's been invested, it's just a matter of where. And the solution cannot be... Yeah, to you know, go uh, governments and subsidize um, you know the cost of uh, um, you know the cost of gas specifically now, um, even if it if it's uh, if that's the temptation because that's you know what it will do is just uh, um, yeah more demand right that there will be more demand for it uh, it will be used more so um, so I hope it's an opportunity uh, rather than. Yeah, rather than a setback. Thank you. Uh, Alexander, Dimitri, one, one minute each. Uh, more or less same, same question as, as Paul. Any, any new sectors that may be relevant for international capital markets, maybe infrastructure or any new types of deals, maybe private equity acquisitions funded in the international markets? Uh, or, and, and finally, are we going to see sort of Greek IPOs back, back on the scene again? Maybe one minute each, Alexander and Dimitri. Just, just in one minute, I, I want to stress the, the growth prospects of the Greek economy, which I think are important from an equity markets perspective. So at HSBC, we believe that uh, there is enough momentum for Greece to, to continue to grow. Uh, the finance minister spoke about this 8.3% 8, 8 growth achieved in 2021. That basically covered the lost ground of uh, 2020. 
He said uh, he projects above 3% growth in 2022. Uh, our HSBC economist projects 4% growth. So we expect also investment recovery to continue. Uh, we see um, uh, infrastructure, energy sectors, uh, construction and tourism being the key sectors to contribute to growth. Uh, this momentum is obviously attracting uh, foreign uh, investors' interest uh, into Greece. Uh, IPO market has not been very active, as you said. Uh, however, equity investors remain rich. So given you know, the, uh, the, the, the country's growth prospects and the stability in the uh, EMEA emerging market region, uh, we believe there are good reasons for Greek issuers to, to, to uh, access the equity markets. Thank you. Thank you, Alexander. Dimitri? I think my last comment uh, is, is that um, the equity market, I think, Greek equities in specific sectors, and I give her example about infrastructure, energy, uh, renewables, offer something quite unique. For, they offer a valuation discount compared to core Europe. We're still based cheap versus, you know, Spain, Italy, France, Germany, UK. And at the same time, we offer higher growth versus the core Europe as well. So if we are able to sustain this, you know, more than 3 4% growth rates, uh, and we have basically credible business plans, uh, I think we'll see more companies access the equity market, for sure. Thank you, Dimitri. Ostadine, I think you'll, you'll have the closing uh, comment. Uh, a prolific issuer, I mean, you've, you've done everything in a short period of time as a CFO of PPC. Uh, I, I think if there are treasurers or CFOs sort of looking to, to do the same, what, what are the, the learning lessons that you want to share with them? Um, well, first of all, uh, the uh, building the equity story of the company is one of the uh, major uh, issues that someone needs to resolve. Uh, the way you present and the way you discuss and you uh, show to the investors how excited you are about it, it's, uh, it's a crucial point. Uh, one second point, and this doesn't have to do with you being here in this panel, uh, you need to have uh, strong faith and trust to the advisors that you are working with. Uh, you, you need to listen to them, you need to push them as well. So you need to find uh, the, the good balance uh, um, in this respect. Uh, you need to be aware of uh, the timing in the market. So uh, it's not always easy to forecast, but uh, it's easy to be prepared. So this is something that you need to do. Uh, uh, and lastly, what I would say is that, especially if, we, if someone needs to diversify uh, the uh, investor's base, uh, one, one thing that needs to be done is uh, to, to be looking on real money international uh, investors. That is uh, the, the ending point from my side. Thank you, Costadine, for the non-scripted remark that people need to hire good, good advisors. Uh, I think, uh, I think on, on, uh, on that note, I want to thank uh, the panel and, of course, uh, the thank audience you very much for, uh, for your time.